0: Welcome to It's Better Here, the official podcast of the Producers Co-op. Whether you are out in the yard, the field, the pasture, or the barn, we have everything you need. It's Better Here. Welcome to the show. That's right. Here we are with Episode 5. And just remember, we've got a great show coming up for you to do, a great episode today. But whether you're out in the yard, out in the field, out in the pasture, or out in the barn... It's better here. It really is. And it's better here on this episode today because we're talking to somebody you know really well.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited to have Brady Ragland on the show. I've known Brady for a long time. We went to school together, and now he's at the Tri-State Fair and Rodeo. So he's going to have a lot of great insight for us going into show season.
0: Hey, it's January, and the NFL playoffs are going on. I'm trying to figure out who's going to be in the Super Bowl. But, Mandy Joe, there is another type of Super Bowl going on this month in Fort Worth. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, I feel like we've been talking since we started this podcast about talk show season is coming, it's coming, and here we are. Um, Fort Worth starts this month. Actually, next week the steers are getting ready to move in, so it is that time. You know, and I told you when we kind of talked about this show that Fort Worth Steer Show is the Super Bowl, And then I started saying that to some of my friends that showed, and I think maybe I'm biased. I know we've got Brady on the back (laughs) of this call, and I always thought that, and maybe it's because I grew up there, but I talk to people that think San Antonio is the Super Bowl Hmm. or Houston is the Super Bowl. So maybe I talked it up too much, but it is a special one. It's very cattle-heavy is why I always think that. What do you think, Brady?
2: Yeah, great to uh, join you guys. Uh, I would agree, Mandy. I think maybe – It may be a little dependent on where you live to what show you're partial to and the type of cattle you raise, whether you would prefer Fort Worth or San Antonio or Houston. At the end of the day, they're all what we consider major shows, so they're a really big deal, however you look at it.
1: That's one of the things about Fort Worth, too. You know, all these shows have a little uh, slogan or a saying, and Fort Worth says, this thing is legendary, which I think fits them perfectly just because of where they're located in Fort Worth and the stockyards and things like that. It just feels super nostalgic to go back there and be on those grounds, so I always thought that show was special because of that. A lot of people credit the Dallas-Fort
0: Worth area as the home of big hair. Now, you will see big hair at the Fort Worth Stock Show, not necessarily on people, though, Mandy Joe, right?
1: Yes, so Fort Worth is the only major in Texas that keeps the hair on the steers, which is super fun and unique again. I mean, it's a lot of added work on the kids who are racing these steers. It's not like hair grows itself. I mean, every day, two, three times a day, these kids are washing and blowing and working hair. So they look different. It's a really special event to see it that way. And, you know, these slick shows, as we call them, San Antonio and Houston, they pull all the hair off and it's a little harder to hide some flaws. So um, everything looks super special in Fort Worth.
0: Well, that's a great segue into my question for you, Brady. When I look at a bull or a cow, you know, being from the suburbs, growing up in the suburbs, I can't really distinguish what makes one special. Uh, You've got a lot of experience with this. Tell us what the judges are looking for. Yeah, uh, it would be kind of tough to see
2: a cow and a steer in the same one, but I know what you mean by that. So, yeah, when the judge is uh, evaluating These major shows like Mandy referenced, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Houston, and they all happen here in the spring. They just bring in so many animals that the judge can be a lot more selective on what they're looking for than, like, maybe the competition at a smaller show at the county level or just another small show around the the state or the country. And so at the end of the day, the judge is looking for, I guess, to be summed up all in one in terms of uh, just overall quality. And that may sound a little vague, uh, but... Quality, I guess, would be defined as some combination of muscle. Uh, they're market animals; they need to have some muscle, um, some performance, some, some weight, and some condition uh, as as to what's appropriate there. Uh, each judge kind of has their own opinion, and then uh, some some traits like balance and, and structural correctness would fall into there. So. Uh, all of those traits and, and blending them all together is what's really tough to do as a livestock breeder or exhibitor, and, and ultimately it's what drives you to the top of the class or the show if, if you have an animal that can exhibit what I consider overall quality.
0: Very good. Now, you and Mandy, Joe, have been around cattle all your life. Um, a coach might see a, a young person in junior or high school and think, wow, that's a future star because of the way they swing a bat or throw a football or a baseball. Do ranchers make similar observations at some point during the life of a steer and say, hey, we need to focus on this particular steer. This could be a champion? Absolutely. Uh, that happens for all the, the livestock breeders around
2: the country. They're ultimately trying to com- uh, create a, a better animal than, than, than before. And so just like your picture example or, or identifying Students or, or young people when they grow up that have a special talent, it's the same in the livestock world. It's just applied to animals. So if you looked out at 20 to 30 animals, uh, cattle in this case, that were destined or trying to be show animals, the rancher or the breeder in that case would, would should be able to identify the top two, three, four, that exhibit that that overall
0: quality that might develop into making a a really
2: competitive show steer.
0: Now, Mandy Joe, you've been around cattle all your life as well. Did you ever have a a steer that stood out in your mind as a young animal that you thought, hey, there's some potential here?
1: Yeah, so what my family does, we're not growing or raising show steers. We're on the breeding side. So we do show heifers and show bulls, which um, it's basically the same concept, but yeah, it's exciting. You can usually tell within, honestly, just a couple of days or a couple of weeks that you've got something oh, that wow. has potential to be pretty
0: special. Really? A couple of days? Yeah, what, I mean, things what, happen what and things you change
1: quickly, but...
0: <laughs> That's fascinating to me. Is it just something about the way the animal moves or the way it's, it's shaped at such a young age?
1: Yeah, like Brady keeps saying, quality. I mean, it's pretty easy to see from the beginning um, to not pick mm-hmm. out holes and find some that are pretty complete from the very beginning. That's
0: amazing. That's back. Like I said, I find all of this fascinating. Back to you, Brady. I did a little research. Last year's championship steer at the Fort Worth Stock Show had the very exciting name of Steve and sold for $310,000. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, tell us about the life of a championship steer, what happens before and after the stock show, before that blue ribbon is put on the animal?
2: Well, at the end of the day, a lot of work and effort from exhibitors go into to these steers, basically, in some cases, to give them a better life than a lot of us experience. They live in um, <laughs> a, lot, uh, a lot of times, uh, they're, like Mandy referenced earlier, they're, they're washed and groomed, two times a day, they're fed top quality nutrition, Uh, they're exercised daily, they're um, practiced, uh, they try to get practice with the person that will be showing them so that they kind of work together as a team in the show ring. As you're leading up to the show, you would have, uh, in some cases like Fort Worth, where they show, like Mandy mentioned, with a a beautiful hair coat, you know, they'll be groomed, uh, clipped, uh, just like you'd go in and get a haircut by some very professional very skilled. Uh, it's not just something that, that just comes together. It's something that people have a lot of talent and a lot of vision can, can groom these animals to look their best and then as you get ready for the show, there's always a lot of anticipation, especially from the exhibitor side of things, loading up in the trailer, loading all the equipment, heading to one of these big major shows, getting there, waiting in line because there's a lot of exhibitors trying to get in at one time, and, and then yeah, unloading your animal and, and, and turning in weight cards, waiting for those classes to break, and then finally walking your animal into the, to the
0: show ring. It's, a, it's very rewarding after a long year's work with your animal. It sure sounds like it. Now, I read in doing my research that they were going to give the championship steer from the Fort Worth show, Steve, to the zoo, and if the zoo couldn't take him, that he would be placed on a ranch of the people that had the winning bid. Is that what usually happens to the championship steer? They're, They're just placed out the pasture, or are they used for other purposes? Because I honestly don't know.
2: Yeah, Fort Worth is kind of known for that. I think over the years, and I don't know if it happens each and every year, but they're kind of known for uh, putting the grand and reserve champion steer at Fort Worth on display at at the zoo for a year, I believe. In other cases, maybe it's not quite so glamorous. The, the animals, you know, do kind of meet their final endpoint sometime pretty quickly after the at the end of the show, but. You know, ultimately, the, the, the prize that they win and the reward for the, you know, the exhibitor and, and, the, and the lifespan of the animal is, you know, is, is second to none. It's lived out very high quality and very right. – uh, uh, they do a very good job all the way through. So, yeah, that does happen, though, at Fort Worth, I think.
0: Mandy Joe, I read that the 17-year-old that raised this animal – I mean, $310,000 is a lot of money to somebody my age. When you're 17, that's got to be a whole lot of money. Now, you know more about this than I do. Does he actually get a check for $310,000, or are there things taken out of that for the rodeo fee? How does that work?
1: Yeah, that also changes um, show to show. Fort Worth, he gets a $310,000. Wow. That all goes back to the exhibitor. Some of these other ones kind of cap out, and then those go into scholarships that are then distributed. I mean, all of these shows are giving out millions and millions of dollars of scholarships each year, so... They pull that, you know, the discretion based on each show and how they handle that auction.
0: Interesting. Now, Brady, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, Over the Christmas holiday, my family and I went down to San Antonio, enjoyed a fine steak dinner at Roos Chris. And I was talking at the dinner table about how I'm learning so much about what I guess is referred to generically as animal husbandry. And yet, right? For all my life, whenever I've wanted a steak or a hamburger, I live in New Braunfels. I asked Mandy Joe one time, just think about how many hamburgers are served just here in New Braunfels every day. And I think some people lose sight of the fact that that food doesn't show up magically. And there's really nobody out there celebrating because the ranchers and the farmers don't seek Publicity, But I think it's important to remind people that there are a lot of hardworking people out there every day, and they're working hard to get the next generation to do this, that food does not show up magically. It is raised. There is risk involved. There are setbacks involved. I think we have to have a bigger platform to celebrate the people that do this, that bring the food to our tables, whether it's at home or at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. And I'd love to know your thoughts. You make a lot of excellent points,
2: and the publicity of what you just said from a rancher farmer's point of view is something that uh, I think they, as an industry, we have tried to push more heavily in recent years, knowing that maybe the average consumer out there doesn't know the agriculturalist side of the story or the equation and uh, how many folks basically pour their entire life into making sure that Folks have a hamburger to eat or a steak when they want it. One good thing to tie both those two conversations or the conversations we've been having together is like Mandy and and, and we've talked about today, these major shows in these large metropolis cities, these shows give the chance to expose people that may have never been, may have never thought about where their food comes from to the show industry, which is just one part of the entire agriculture and especially the, the, the food chain especially. But it is, maybe one way to expose people that have maybe never had a thought to where their food comes from to raising animals, what it takes to raise animals, et cetera. And so I think that's the benefit of these shows, and I also think they provide a platform for publicity to folks in the inner cities of where their food comes from. So there's a lot of benefit to these show animals and, and their projects, not only for the exhibitor side of things or the ranchers and breeders behind
0: them, but the industry as a whole. I pay attention to a lot of things happening in the world. And at a recent conference in Switzerland, I think it was, one of the people there was suggesting that a billion people needed to stop eating beef. And that really caught me by surprise because when I was eating my steak dinner at Christmas time, I would never force a vegetarian to eat a steak. But there does seem to be whether it's a vocal minority or not, of people that seem to want to tell me what I can and can't eat. Is that something that we should be concerned about here in this country?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that there's always, you know, a vocal group that, you know, has those thoughts and pushes that. There's a lot of, I think, misconception on what the beef and food industry is doing. I mean, we you know, take a lot of flack for, you know, environmental issues and things like that, but America's farmers and ranchers were basically the first environmentalists. I mean, we care more about, you know, grass production and air quality because that's vital to what farmers and ranchers do every day. So farmers and ranchers take a lot of pride in what they do and are doing it the healthiest and safest way possible, Um, not just for the benefit of the consumer, but it helps their production as well.
0: And, Brady, your thoughts on that? I would concur with
2: with everything that Mandy said. I think that the climate activists and, and the extremes that they're willing to go to sure get a lot of publicity, but sometimes they don't understand the full story, like Mandy mentioned, that farmers and ranchers have the most at stake for animal husbandry and things like climate change, air quality, any anything that would affect the land and the ability to grow and raise animals is going to directly affect the farmers and ranchers. So it's in their best, best interest to follow the most up-to-date practices and uh, continue to make sure that we're sustainable in everything that we do so that we can keep doing it for future generations.
0: His name is Brady Ragland. He is the CEO of the Tri-State Fair and Rodeo. And, Brady, thank you so much for joining us on It's Better Here. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Great conversation. Wow, you both of you guys really know your stuff. I was I've been struck by something you said once about, you know, ranchers don't look for any credit. They're not in it for that. They really are interested in taking care of their cattle, taking care of their livestock and taking care of the land, and both of you all seem very passionate about that.
1: Yeah, a lot of it is heritage, you know, a lot of these farms and ranches are passed down from generation to generation, and if they're not, they're, you know, first generation farmers who are trying to build that legacy for their families. So everyone that's in it is it, a, it's a passion project, I mean, if you don't love it and fully buy into it, you're not going to fight the weather and the feed prices and sale prices and things like that year after year, so it's for sure a work of passion.
0: Well, I know they won't let me raise a championship steer in my backyard up off County Line Road because I live <laughs> in a subdivision. But I think it's fascinating. I think I'm just amazing. The young people involved in all of this, and I know that you've got history with that. You did this, didn't you?
1: Yeah, we started showing young um, pigs, chickens, steers, whatever it took to get down the road. But yeah, everybody's really bought into it. Great. It creates great students, you know, through college, even when you're not particularly showing. Just the skills and the responsibility that you learn. Um, We're building great kids by doing these show projects.
0: Absolutely. So don't forget folks, whether you are out this morning or this afternoon in the ranch taking care of your herd of cattle or tucked away in a tastefully appointed suburban home somewhere in Guadalupe County, it's better here. Thank you for listening to It's Better Here, the official podcast of the Producers Co-op. Come visit us at the store, visit us online, and follow us on social media. Until next episode, take care.